You ready? I'm Lisa. And I'm Kelly. And this is Bad at Boundaries, the podcast where we share personal stories about setting boundaries, healing, and growing into the people we want to be. Get ready to laugh, sigh, and draw the line with us. Super easy first take. Also, this episode's going to be really interesting to listen to because your voice is dead from your Taylor Swift dance party. I think that one was my fifth one now. I'm just going to lean in real close today. You know, I know. I'm like, I'm so tired. I think I got like two hours of sleep last night from work. Uh, That's right, guys. I'm employed. And in the last episode, we actually talked about how bad of a sleeper you already are. (laughs) I know. Well, we did an outdoor concert because, as you know, I work in the business we call show now Mm -hmm. specifically with an orchestra and we did two outdoor concerts the last two days through all that smoke too I've had a migraine since like Friday afternoon that's just now kind of going away yeah it creeps up today Mm -hmm. is bad but I don't have any reason to be outside thankfully so yeah I know all I want to do is stay in forget Mm it yeah Also, what I want to do today, because it's been so busy the last little bit, is I feel like I need to do just, like, an inventory of, like, how I'm actually doing. Because Mm -hmm. when, like, I was running around getting those shows ready, it's, like, not only am I working, like, within my actual role in in the nonprofit, it's, like, you stretch yourself to, like, fill all these other, like, you have to volunteer and you have to be on, like, be a people person here. And then you have to, like help a little kid find their mom. So it's when I finished those concerts, I I don't think I've ever felt so emotionally, mentally, physically drained, which brings me to today's topic, which is mindfulness and living in the moment. Yes. Yes. So, okay, really quick. How do you define mindfulness? Okay. So for me, mindfulness means that you're being intentional about your choices and behaviors. Mm. So I think sometimes mindfulness is like taking that time to like step back or even just to think before you're jumping in or so you don't say something that you regret Um, and being realistic about energy output as well, because I think (laughs) that's something we both acknowledge that we could work on is just figuring out um, your social battery a little bit. So I'm Mm. like, I should be able to predict my own social battery for now, but sometimes I get very optimistic when everything (laughs) sounds like fun. I know. You are so bad for overbooking yourself. You've gotten a lot better, actually, in in the one year that I have now for sure known you, which we found out through Facebook the other day. Yeah, and honestly, I used to be so much worse because now if I have, um, like, overlapping activities, Mm. then I'll... I'll only like say yes if they have flexible timelines. Mm -hmm. So if it's something where I can like kind of wander in as something else wraps up, Mm -hmm. sure. But if there's like a designated time Mm -hmm. where I have to be somewhere where it's like a ticketed event or something like that, like I don't bump up against that anymore because I get too stressed out. Yeah, for me, it's mindfulness is so much about like taking a moment to separate the inner world, like your inner world mm-hmm. from the bullshit of the outer world. Like as somebody who deals with chronic anxiety and at times has been has been known, it's very my brand to have a complete breakdown when I get too overwhelmed by just 
the noise and the bullshit around me. I think for me, being mindful is about kind of like taking a moment to relieve myself from the pressure of just being a human being and actually check in and be like, okay, aside from all the, all the work I need to do and this appointment I have and the family commitment and friend stuff, like how am I actually doing? My least favorite thing, this is a dilly dally. My least favorite thing about like being an adult is you walk up to somebody and say, Hey, like, how's it going? And they say, Oh, busy. What is that? That is not a state of being. That's not, oh, I'm feeling good. Oh, I'm feeling bad. Oh, I'm just busy. What does that even mean? I feel like that's usually a sign of like full dissociation Truly, where they're like, I am just doing things and not. <laughs> you are just like literally being a cog in the machine instead of actually taking a moment to be intentional about where you're putting your energy and what feels good and making sure that what you're doing and where you're directing your intention actually aligns with your truth, with what you want out of your life. I, I hate the narrative, oh, I'm busy. And I catch myself saying it, especially now that I'm back at work. And I'm yeah. just, like, that is not a nice habit to I'm, have. I'm bad for saying that I'm good busy. Good busy? Oh, yeah. Because I feel like busy as a standalone has negative connotations. Yeah. But when it's, like, good busy, I'm, like, these are things I chose versus, Mm. like, these are obligations. I think mindfulness maybe is, like, battling FOMO. Like, that fear of missing it out. That's interesting. Because it's, like, you're not taking everything at surface level. Like, you're giving yourself a minute to process the actual depth to what you're saying yes to. Mm -hmm. Or what you're saying no to. Mm. And then, yeah. Okay, so how do I practice mindfulness? Well... I feel like everybody who has listened to the podcast knows that like meditation is a necessary part of my life mm-hmm. and I truly can't function with that. Have I have I ever told the story about like my post work bathroom break meditations? <laughs> no. This sounds so so weird, but it's exactly so. OK, when I was working at that job that just completely burned me out, mm-hmm. I was also like coming home to a partner who like both of our families had a lot of they needed a lot of support Mm -hmm. and we were also we were dealing with the puppy phase of having a dog I was had a partner who was in school full time uh, and I also had two cats who were not adjusting super great to having a dog in the house so like I would leave work which was in a constant state of chaos I would drive home through rush hour traffic and I, I would get home to just basically a house full of problems, chores that weren't done, you know, a list of things that like I basically had to deal with. And I, I was just operating in such a state of like overwhelm and burnt outness for so long that I would go home and I would just say like, OK, I'm going to go to the bathroom like immediately. I was like, <laughs> I was like an old man who you show up somewhere and immediately where's the bathroom? That was how I would get home. <laughs> And I would go and I would lock myself in the bathroom, of course, pee like any normal human, but I would catch myself just staying in the bathroom, obviously longer than I needed to, because it was the only place in the house where I could be alone for a few minutes. So I started just like initially just sitting in literally on my bathroom floor after washing my hands and like taking five minutes to just like scroll my phone or like, you know, do something that just 
turn my brain off for a second. Like hit the reset button. Yeah, but after one really bad work day, I went into the bathroom and I didn't want John to know how much I was struggling because I really just wanted to be on for everybody else. I didn't want anyone to know that I was mentally not doing okay. And I sat on the bathroom floor and I just started like quietly crying. And I kind of entered this this moment where I like had the emotional release. And after I had that release, it was just quiet in my brain. And that was mm-hmm. the moment where I started like seeking that moment every day after work, that quietness. So whether I would go in there and cry or just like go in there and turn, I would turn off the lights. I would like light a candle. I would like spray a nice little scent in the air. And it really became like my happy place. And it started just with a five minute 10 minute, 50 minute, I started incorporating like nice soft music. Sometimes I would take a shower. Like a mini spa. A mini spa. Sometimes I would hot box the whole bathroom if it was (laughs) a really bad day. But just taking those like five or 10 minutes just to like let the workday wash over me and releasing it into the universe, I found like when I would leave the bathroom after, I would be able to be more present for everybody who needed me. It was like I got my time, you know? And then you almost get to, like, reset so that the next inconvenience doesn't become the last straw. Well, just meditation for me, like, it's part of my daily practice, I guess. Like, I usually get up and while I'm getting ready for the day, I'll listen to, like, some nice affirmations as I'm, like, you know, doing my makeup and looking at myself in the mirror. And before bed as, like, part of a wind-down activity, I also do, like, just a few moments to, like, sit and debrief with myself about the day and get to a point where... You know, I'm able to separate all the all the hardships of the day and just really check in with myself. And I feel like people have this weird idea of meditation and be like, it needs to be like a quiet Zen space in a yoga studio or sitting on a rock on top of a mountain. I've literally meditated on the toilet, Kelly. Like you just <laughs> need to take a moment to breathe and like really check in. It doesn't need to be a big deal. But for me, like that's that's my number one. If I need yeah. to be mindful, I meditate. What about you? Well, I was actually going to ask you first, do you have a hard time asking for privacy? Yes. I have a hard time asking for anything. Because I was thinking about that. And I've talked about, like, the Serious Five or Lone Wolf Time, depending on which friend I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, saying you have to go to the bathroom is the easiest, like, low-risk way to Mm -hmm. ask for privacy. Anywhere. Because I used to do the same thing when I was a teacher. So, Mm -hmm. like, we were a staff of four teachers. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, like, we know each other's schedules very well. And a couple of us were very regular. Like, one (laughs) of the teachers would drink their morning coffee on the way to school and go straight to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. One of the other teachers, at the end of the lunch hour, Mm -hmm. uh, he had – it worked out because I think he was usually on prep then. Right. Or um, he'd be teaching gym. So Mm – Like, the students would all be changing, and he had a couple extra minutes. But he was regular, 1 (laughs) p.m. That was his time. And my time was 4 p.m. Because I preferred to do work after school. Right. But I wasn't ready to go straight from teaching to Mm -hmm. prepping. Mm -hmm. So I'd hang out in the staff room, chit-chat with everyone. But if anyone lingered too long after 4, I'd start, like, looking at the bathroom door. (laughs) And so... Like, obviously, within, like, a couple weeks of doing this, everyone was like, is 4 o'clock your time slot it's in like, there? Yes. Get and out. I was like, yeah, because my safe toilet syndrome was so bad enough that I was like, it has, the building has to be empty. I need to be the only soul 
here. Well, it's so funny because you used to, well, you still kind of make fun mm-hmm. of me because whenever we come in to record, you'll like get the computer set up. And my first move is, all right, I'm going to pee before we like get started. Yeah. And I've never asked you about it, but I pick you up from your house. Yeah. I don't always need to pee. Mm-hmm. Like the bathroom really is like that safe space where it's like I am guaranteed at least two minutes Mm-hmm. To go in there, I get the privacy of a stall. I'm very fortunate to have that. But, like, just take a few minutes to kind of, like, breathe deeply, think about what I'm about to do, and separate myself from that. Even, like, this weekend when I was putting on shows, the number of times I would get overwhelmed or overstimulated just from being a new person and this being my first show I was helping run, I people were making fun of me and being like, how much water are you drinking? But, yeah, like, every hour I would go on in. Mm-hmm. And take a serious five in the bathroom stall and just kind of be like, okay, you're going to survive this. You're going to get through what you're feeling right now. And, like, I don't know. I just feel like everybody deserves to have a couple mm-hmm. minutes throughout the day to just decompress. And maybe it's weird to do it while your bowels are also decompressing <laughs> in a way. But, like, it works. And if it, if that's what works, I'm going to keep on doing it. It's almost like you're releasing all the negativity, both emotional and physical at once. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. It is. It doesn't need to be, like, meditation doesn't need to be that deep. Yeah. I have another habit that I'm actually, like, working on breaking mm. because, like, when I still lived at home, my sister and I both had this habit. It's like we would get home from somewhere or we would just sit on the driveway texting. Oh, yeah. Usually when we were on our own. If we were together, like, usually we were talking, so we'd just get out of the car. Yeah. But I would get home from somewhere and just, like, sit. And now I do that at my own house where I live (laughs) alone. Alone. (laughs) And I'm like, I could, like do this in an environment that is much more comfortable. I mean, my car is pretty comfy, but I was like, I could be on my couch. I was like, it's just one of those things where, like, I can go all day and be doing nothing, Mm. and I feel like nothing happens on my phone. And then you drive for 15 minutes, and you can't look at anything, and then, like, everyone's replying at once and, like, making plans and things you have to reply to. I think it's interesting that for both of us, when it comes to, like, daily mindfulness – a lot of it happens in these transitional spaces. Mm-hmm. That is really interesting. I wonder if now that we're saying this, more people will be like, actually, I also take a serious five after I park my car or like in the bathroom or, you know, the five minutes before I, I physically go into a new location. Like, I just yeah. think that's really interesting. I wonder if all humans do that. I wonder if part of it is like both those spaces um, have mirrors so you can take a minute to look at yourself and like Mm. look at something familiar and predictable because like you're when you're in social spaces like you're responding to the cues that people around you are giving you whether that's body language, facial expressions, tone of voice, all of that. So you're processing a lot of information all at once. And then, like, in the bathroom, like, you can smile at yourself. You can do a frown. I'm, like, picturing the delicate music video where she's invisible and making all these ridiculous faces in the mirror. And I was, like, sometimes that's what you do where you just have to, like, shake off the tension somehow, like, Mm -hmm. being goofy or just, like, drop your fake smile for a little bit and then go back and give your just face a rest. I'm also just, like, remembering, like, when I was really burnt out and coming home to and like taking that five minutes in the bathroom yeah there's a mirror there and I remember Mm -hmm. like being able to really like look at my face and see like evidence of being tired evidence of being exhausted and like 
taking a moment. I feel like that was almost how I started the mindfulness was, okay, you look rough. Let's just wash your face and like take care of you this way. Like, okay, I'm going to brush my hair. Now I'm going to, you know, put some eye drops in. And like, that was almost how the mindfulness started me looking in the mirror and being like, woof, kid, like you got to tighten it up a little bit. I find like I do the same thing when I'm stressed out is like, it's not quite like full on executive dysfunction most of the time. Like Mm -hmm. usually I can notice it a little bit earlier, but I get stuck on activities that don't matter. And I'll like spend so much time on them because I just don't want to do the big things. And then sometimes those big things don't actually take you that much time. No, I think I forget where she saw it first, but the birds papaya shared something once that was like, if you are um, avoiding doing something, time yourself. Because usually a lot of the things that people put off take less than 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you time yourself doing it and then like you'll know next time, you only have to set aside like seven minutes to put away your laundry yeah. on an average day. Um, so I've started like playing music during chores. Because before I was trying to trick myself into doing chores or going on a long walk by playing an audiobook, but then I am caught up in the story, so I'm not actually paying attention to how much time is going by, mm. and, like, the stuff that's not fun feels really long, and the fun parts you feel like you, like, flew through. So a lot of people with ADHD, they they do that. It's, like, I think the term for it is called, like, time chunking, where, mm-hmm. like, in order to avoid getting sidetracked by, you know, all the little dilly-dallies you have throughout the day, like, I... For me, how I, I guess this is kind of related to mindfulness, but I literally like time out my day based on what I'm supposed to be doing each hour of the day. And Mm. like, uh, we have a rule in our house where if something's going to take you less than five minutes to do, you do it immediately. Like, there's just no excuse not to. Like, you know, uh, repairing the chip paint on our cars, yeah, that's going to take longer (laughs) than five minutes. So, like, we'll put that off until we carve out time and our time chunking to make it happen. But, yeah, something like putting away laundry or unloading the dishwasher, that will take less than five minutes. Do it now so it doesn't become a thing we need to work around in the rest of our our days. Have you heard of the Pomodoro method? No. Okay, so someone introduced this to me at work. It was one of my, um, they were a summer student, actually. Um, But I really like it. So you work for 25 minutes, and then you give yourself a five-minute break. Mm -hmm. And you can adjust the time. So if you're working on something where you need to focus for, like, 45 and do, like, a 10 or 15-minute break, that's fine. Mm. But it's become so popular that you can actually find YouTube videos where they'll have, like, a countdown timer and, like, playlist timed so you know when to take your break. Smart. So then it takes out the actual, like, cognitive um, load of having to set your own timers or, like, curate a playlist that lines up. Mm -hmm. Um, And it works really well because I find if I – sometimes if I forget to take a break Mm -hmm. and then I'll go eat lunch and I just, like – drag my feet getting back to work because my brain was so stimulated and then so turned off Mm -hmm. that like getting it back online just seems like too big of a task yeah whereas I I find that if I'm taking regular consistent like mini breaks Mm -hmm. um, I actually get more work done especially in the afternoon Mm -hmm. so okay I have a question for you are you able to journal everyone ever whenever anybody talks about mindfulness they always talk about like 
mindfulness journaling and mm-hmm. like physically that doesn't work for me yeah it's I and I know so many people that it does a lot of good for so if you have not tried journaling <laughs> I recommend trying it and sticking it out so I've started journals multiple times I have a bunch of half finished journals um I find what works best for me is more like acknowledging my to-do list so I think I think I've We've talked about this before, but oh, yeah. I am team get a new day planner, change your life. Yes. So that's like my bare minimum is just like tracking the activities. Um, so then when I travel, um, I always try to keep a, uh, a journal. But what I usually end up doing is just taping my tickets into it and then leaving blank spaces to like fill it in as I go. Mm. So I'm never updating it live. And I think that's my issue with journaling is like, I don't journal about things like in the moment because usually you're busy experiencing them. Yeah. So then I almost wait till after and then it's more like I'm just like documenting the resolution where I have to wait until something is wrapped up to write it down. Mm. So then you lose the actual like lessons because I'm I find like I don't document my thought process. I end up documenting outcomes, which like isn't super cathartic. And then I thought about it again and (laughs) my journaling is actually just live dumping information in like text messages to friends and depending like different situations like might go to like a different friend or different group chat depending like Mm -hmm. what kind of perspective I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. But I was like, yeah, I am often giving live updates but again I usually wait until I like have an idea of like what my potential next moves are and then I like crowdsource like which one like they think is Mm. a good idea so like (laughs) if I'm looking for like justification or validation or like maybe uh, a good sharp dose of reality yeah that's the point where I reach out it's never like earlier because I get overwhelmed while I'm still in the middle of the feelings tornado Mm. It's it, speaking of the feelings tornado. I found one of my old childhood journals the other day and I realized that I only like I use journaling as an emotional release. So like I was rereading this journal and I was like, Jesus Christ, like I was going through it. Every single thing is like, I'm mad at mom. Mike said something so rude today. Like, oh, I can't believe my dad or like this teacher, or this friend. And it was like all just like the angriest little scribbles or the saddest, like most dramatic moments in my life. And I think that's part of the reason why I don't really journal is because like I'm a writer so of course I'm gonna go back and like read everything I've written and all I can see is a terrible grammar and punctuation that needs to be corrected or like oh I should have proofread this or like thought this out before I read it and then b it's it's really harsh to look back and read you know what you wrote in the moment when you were like really feeling the heat of it and uh like I think that's what holds me back is I don't want to regret it later. I know. And then it's like also like shit, like you're putting this in writing. Like now Mm -hmm. anybody can find it. Anybody can see it. So like when I do journal now and do it for an emotional release, one thing I've started doing that actually feels really like cathartic in a way is I write down everything I want to say and then I like roll up the piece of paper, fold it up and I go outside and I just burn it like immediately like it's almost like just get the feelings out and in a weird way it's like by doing that it's like okay now that's fully separated from me and I've already said everything I need to say on the topic so my little anxious brain 
doesn't need to keep swirling it around over and over. Like, it's just, it's done. I've said everything I need to say. I've said all I can say. We're moving on from it. I had a very dramatic moment where you had told me about this once before, so I tried to do it. But I accidentally just started the most perfect bonfire in my backyard at, like, (laughs) 9.30 p.m. on a Tuesday. And I remember texting you about it, and you were like, do you just stay up till 11 now and, like, wait for it to die out? And I was like... I was like, no, like, this is, like, I have my garden hose ready because the fire is so good. Um, Yes. But I just found, like, a bunch of old stuff that I just didn't need to hold on to anymore. Mm -hmm. And it actually felt really good to get rid of those. But then it also felt um, satisfying to, like, like unleash the hose on that and watch it all go up in steam. Because it felt very metaphorical and dramatic. Yeah, well, like, I'm pretty sure... what you're talking about is when I was telling you about, like, John and I do our full moon and our new moon, like, intentions, goals. And, like, the idea is for a new moon, it's all about attracting things mm-hmm. to you. And full moon, it's all about, like, release and letting go. The month is done. Time to be rid of certain things. And, like, we do this pretty much twice a month, sometimes three times a month. We write down what we want or what we're ready to move on from roll it up, whatever, put it in the fire pit, light it on fire. And yeah, it's, it's amazing how, like, they always say in nature, like fire, fire is not about destruction. It's about cleansing. Mm -hmm. When you when a natural forest fire starts, it's about burning down all the dead wood, and giving the soil new energy to inspire new life. Like, that's the purpose of fire. Fire is life. So like, in a way, what we're talking about right now, very mindful to, you know, just be able to have that release and that trust that, okay, the words are out there, the intentions out there, whatever I want, whatever I want to get rid of, I'm just going to formally release it from my control and let go. I love that. And I think that brings us to like part two of this, Mm. which actually is good parallels to last week's episode, which was um, backsliding and backpedaling. (laughs) But So living in the moment for me is associated with mindfulness, but I see it as something very different where I feel like mindfulness is often taking that step back Mm -hmm. to kind of do an assessment of where things are at. Mm -hmm. Whereas living in the moment is just like letting yourself fully focus on the experiences and the environments you're in. Mm -hmm. So that's something where I feel like I'm much better at doing that when I'm like on vacation and outside of my regular life. Yeah. But I've actually noticed that that pops up like with like journaling. So I always try to keep a journal on like my longer or like bigger trips, Mm -hmm. especially if it's if I'm somewhere where realistically it's like a once in a lifetime trip and I'm yeah I'm not going to be going back anytime soon one because there's always more places to see yeah but also just travel is expensive and exhausting and I have other responsibilities now well and also like even if you do go back to the same place you're not necessarily taking the same kind of trip later on Mm -hmm. in life like you could For example, like I did an unreal backpacking trip in Joshua Tree Desert outside of Malibu and like basically spent two weeks camping in the middle of the desert, camping on beaches. It was unreal. I got to see Malibu. We got to see, you know, all these fun areas in California. I'm sure I will be back in Malibu. I actually think I've been back since, Mm -hmm. but I'm probably not going to be backpacking again. Yeah. Truly. So, like, you never know when your circumstances are going to change. I love the idea of just documenting it uh, however you show up in that place. But something I've noticed is, like, 
I when I'm traveling, I need to be on like somewhat of a pre-planned itinerary. Like yeah. I am not someone that can just book the flights <laughs> to and from and then figure it out as I go because I, I will spend every minute of my trip trying to figure out what to do next. Because one, I'm not good at making decisions. But two, like, I like to know where I'm sleeping. Like, that is the minimum level of information I need to feel secure. Seriously, how do people who don't have an anxiety disorder, I guess, how do people just do that? Just live spur of the moment like that? Yeah, and I don't even have an anxiety disorder, (laughs) but I'm just like, I need my basic needs met. Like, food, water, shelter. Mm -hmm. That's, that's like, non-negotiable. So... I've tried, um, like, I've traveled with tour groups that are, like, fully planned and you're just along for the ride. And I really liked that in my early 20s. But what I, one of my most favorite trips was when we went to New Zealand for a month and we did a hop-on, hop-off bus. Nice. So you know the um, the travel path that the bus is going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how long the whole route takes. And then you can decide to stay in some places for longer if you have the time. Mm-hmm. We did bad bath, it turned out, so we ended up adding a flight to our trip. But what I liked was that when you were on the bus, you just get to sit there and watch the scenery go by Mm -hmm. or repack your bag, do an itinerary, like make a grocery list and be like, we need to get some snacks. So Mm -hmm. you can kind of get through like the tedious chore parts of traveling Mm -hmm. during those moments where like you're stuck on the bus anyways. And we did also take a lot of naps. But yeah, they would also pass around clipboards. So if there were there was like group rates on hostels and then group rates on on activities. But you chose whether you wanted to stay in like the group hostel, which we always did because it was always the best deal. Yeah. Or um, which activities we wanted to sign up for. Nice. Um, And I loved that because we had a day where we designated in the middle of our month long trip where we signed up for a hike, so we got up at 6 a.m., but the it had been canceled the day before for weather conditions because mm. um, we were there in November, so it was spring in New Zealand. Mm. And so we get up, we go down to the lobby to check, and it's been canceled again. So we go, we had magically, the three of us had ended up in a four-person room with an ensuite bathroom with no random roommate in it. What? And we just lay in our hostel room till 1 p.m. Oh, my God. And did nothing. That sounds splendid. Oh, my God. So, And I feel like that's where the mindfulness comes in. So mindfulness is like taking a step back, uh, like doing a check-in, taking that rest, so Mm. that when you're doing the activities, you're actually like, enjoying them and living in the moment and experiencing them I had a my first big trip um that I was old enough to remember Mm -hmm. when I was in grade nine our school did a program where the grade nine students have the option of going to France cool uh, good old EF tours um and we got a government grant which was really great because that made it a little more accessible to to more people yeah um, but we had flight delays on the way there. Oh so when we missed the whole first day of our trip, mm. first of all, we missed dinner. So the we had 60 students and 10 teachers or chaperones on this trip. We get to the Toronto airport. We're there for eight hours. Jesus Christ. And oh, my God. We were supposed to be doing like an overnight flight where we'd eat dinner on the plane. Oh. So we get to the Toronto airport at like... 
I think we were supposed to get on our plane at 6 o'clock. Yeah. Um, which is 4 p.m. our time. So, like, that would be a totally normal time to eat later when we're on the flight. Mm-hmm. They didn't send us to a hotel until midnight. Oh, my God. So, we had 70 people eating <gasps> pizza in the hotel conference room yes. at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> And then we had to get up at 5 a.m. <gasps> to go back to the airport for a new flight. Oh, my God. So one of my friends gave me Benadryl because <laughs> I had been awake. And that was when I found out that Benadryl makes me very hyper. It doesn't do what... Like, You're kidding. I, get, I have a flipped reaction to it, <gasps> which is, like, not super common but it's very normal mm-hmm. and I was 14 so like your body's your body's changing your body's, yeah your body's a mess at that age yeah um yeah but we get to Paris it's nighttime so we go to bed and then we have one day to do all the activities that we're supposed to be split over too <laughs> so we ended up just we drove around the Arc de Triomphe traffic circle where our mm-hmm. bus just did a couple laps because we didn't have time to stop we went to Notre Dame. We went to um, the Eiffel Tower. Mm. And or that was in the evening. In the afternoon, we went to the Louvre. And we had everyone took a quick lap. And then a bunch of the, the students just ended up taking naps in the cafeteria. Aww. Because, like, we weren't properly rested or no. fed. We weren't adjusted. Everyone's exhausted. We're 14. Have, we don't know what we're looking at. And you have one day to do everything, too. It's, oh, my God. I would just be like, give me a nap. This isn't worth it. Well, nobody really knew what was going on because they the chaperones had to change the itinerary so quickly and move our, like, bookings around. Wow. So sometimes we'd be at an activity, and they'd be like, meet back at this time, and we'd meet back at that time, and they'd be like, actually, you have an hour before we have to go to the next thing. And then we'd be like, (laughs) okay. We already kind of wrapped up what we were doing. Oh, my God. But that ended up being a good thing. So there was... One point where, like, the timing was a little bit off, so we had this delay. So they were, like, we were parked in, like, a quiet parking lot uh, Mm -hmm. where the bus needed to be, and we weren't leaving for, like, 45 minutes. Mm. And this other bus pulls up, and it's a bunch of students our age from Spain. (gasps) Oh, my God. And it turned into this, like, soccer game, which I did not play in because I'm terrible at soccer. But um, they only had like male students. Oh my god, this is my dream. And on our team there were a couple (laughs) girls playing. Ah! And the other team was like not super stoked about it at first. They were like, it's not gonna be as fun. But like keep in mind like there's a little bit of a language barrier as well. Like we don't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. Like some of them spoke really good English. Sometimes we were trying to speak French (laughs) to each other, which (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, was not great, but we were trying our best. Um, but at the end, like, one of the students, like, went up, like, made a point of going up to some of the girls that had played and, like, shaking their hands. Oh, that's so nice. And I was like, we would not have had this experience mm. if, one, there was a student who was really into soccer who was also super, super extroverted. Oh, so when he saw them God. kicking a so- soccer ball, like, he kind of initiated, like, He's like, we're going to play. This sounds like a YA novel. Like, truly. Plus, they ended up staying in the same hotel as us that night. Oh, my God. And this is such an old story. We thought we were such rebels at the time. (laughs) Um, But the booking got a little bit 
mixed up. So my sister and I ended up being on the teacher floor, like the chaperone floor. No. And all the students were on a completely separate floor from the chaperones. No. So the chaperones came and said goodnight to us last and then went to do their thing and they forgot to tape our door. Yes. So we're now safe and we can go hang out with our friends in their room mm. and retape their door For and them. not worry about ours. <gasps> oh my god. And the the hotel was the lobby was two stories tall. Mm-hmm. All the students were on the third floor and the lobby had a flat roof on top. So this hotel Shut was U-shaped. <gasps> so most of the students didn't even need their doors untaped. So Molly and I went into our friend's room and we're hanging out in there and we look outside and there's students running all over the roof, climbing in each other's windows. Oh my God. <laughs> and like, it was a very safe environment because this roof was closed in by mm-hmm. the three sides of the hotel mm-hmm. and no one was going anywhere near the friend. Mm-hmm. Um but, yeah, like, there were Spanish students. They were a couple floors up from us. Mm-hmm. So they were yelling down, but they couldn't participate. Mm-hmm. But the teachers were also, their rooms all faced out. So they had, like, the actual views, not just, like, the front parking lot. Yeah. But, yeah, there were some, like, it was just goofy. And, like, realistically, like, this is the type of thing where you would, like, if I was a teacher in that situation, you'd be mm-hmm. giving a lecture to everyone about, like, being safe, yeah, being respectful. Don't leave your room, blah, Some blah, people blah. were climbing into windows without being, like, invited. Oh, that would scare the shit out <laughs> no, of me. but, like, the window had to be open. Oh, okay. You had to unlock it from the inside. Right. But if you were, like, had your head out just trying to talk. Yeah. And then people were like playing tag or hiding from each other like you'd have someone diving through and so like it wasn't unsafe but it was just silly you were giving me so many flashbacks to like band trips I took as a kid and like the taping of the door and the the one time our band teacher I watched through the keyhole like right after like you know they come in they give you the whole talk and blah 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 I saw him through the peephole. He forgot to tape our door because a female teacher that we were all like, yo, you guys should be together. You were shipping your teachers. We were shipping them so hard. And it was also very clear they wanted to be together. And he was like recently widowed too. So we're all like rooting for him. And like, I think he was widowed like the year before I got to junior high. And then like we all kind of got to see like. By the time we were, I was in grade nine, like it was clear he was like trying to pursue this other teacher, but like she was receptive, but nobody knew how to like make it happen. So anyways, I watched through the keyhole as he was about to tape our door, got distracted by her and went to go to the lobby for drinks in our hotel. And that night, like same thing. I was like, I definitely went to my band crush's room. And we snuggled and watched an episode of Mythbusters in bed together (laughs) with his, like, other roommates just sitting there. So, like, (laughs) nothing really exciting happened. Watch one episode of Mythbusters and then go back. But Yeah, but I feel like at that age, just having even just the illusion of choice. Mm, It's huge. It's huge. Or just, like, thinking that you're in charge. Because Mm -hmm. autonomy is something that you're just starting to grasp, like, Mm -hmm. at, like, 14, 15. Like, can't drive yet, but... Like, Mm -hmm. once you hit 16 here, you're allowed to drive. 18 is the drinking age here. Mm -hmm. So it's like you almost need room to mess up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 
But do you watch Heartstopper? Yeah. Okay, well, there's two seasons out. The I won't give any spoilers, but the second season, uh, like, it's set in the UK, so they take a bus from school mm-hmm. um, to France, and it's, like, a very similar trip. So yeah. I was really enjoying, like, watching this unfold, and yeah. I think that's what made me think of this Great Nine trip because I was, like, <laughs> being a bit nostalgic. Yeah. And a lot of, like, my most vivid memories of the trip weren't the, like, tourist destinations like the iconic architecture of museums or buildings yeah it was just some of like the hilarious moments where we got to spend time together mm-hmm. without like there was like one adult for uh I think every like six students mm-hmm. we were also the quiet bus so by the end of the trip there were three teachers on our bus <laughs> and like seven teachers on the other bus crowd and control if kids on the other bus got in trouble they got sent to our bus as punishment. Oh, Kelly. Because our bus was, like, napping, reading books, listening to our iPods. Like, we were the quiet bus. Chatting quietly and politely with your teacher. Yeah. I, I've mentioned that I was in an academic program in yes. junior high, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. We were, we were uh, all affectionately referred to us as the nerd class. Like, I, I wear that with pride because... Yes. I feel like when you bring that up with other people, because there's a lot mm. of different programs like that all over, mm. and people are like, oh, yes, so your mm. your class was book smart. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we That's had us. our strengths, and social skills were not part of them for a bit. Mm. Everyone kind of grew into their own eventually, but yeah, junior high for me was an extension of elementary school, mm. just with more power to make my own decisions, <laughs> and I had to dress myself and do my own ponytails. You know what's really funny? You just saying that, going back to the topic of, like, living in the moment, I think for me, as somebody with anxiety, it really didn't kind of become a problem in my life until I was in charge of kind of making my own decisions and being an adult on my own. And, like, I feel like I just I'm so constantly worried that I'm going to screw something up or say something or make a mistake that's so big that I'm not able to recover from it. And Mm. I think, like, a lot of the time that's what stops me from, like, pursuing opportunities I want to pursue or, like, being the person I want to be because I'm I'm always – I live in the land of what if. You're catastrophizing. All the time. And it's really funny. So when I was volunteering this weekend and I ended up being paired up with this really lovely older couple who reminded me quite a bit of my parents. And it was funny because I could tell the the wife, she like immediately latched on to me and like treated me like a daughter. We ended up having a really great conversation. And I ended up like basically saying to her like – you know, it's my first week on the job and like I'm already doing this and I'm kind of worried that I'm messing it up and blah, blah, blah. And she ended up telling me this really amazing story that like might make you cry if like you get overwhelmed by really beautiful human experiences. But she kind of told me like she had this really long career in healthcare, And from my understanding, she was more so like on the admin side and she was like working as like a board or like a high up member of some sort of like healthcare committee. And she kind of told me like she she also struggles with anxiety and how her anxiety manifested is she learned very quickly to be a people pleaser and to always say yes to every opportunity that crossed her path. And for her, that was her way of getting out of the land of what if is she just accepted every opportunity, everything that was put on her plate, she said yes to. And she told me like, 
At the height of her career, she was 160 pounds overweight. She worked in healthcare, but she was not taking care of herself in any way. She's putting everything into everyone else. Exactly. She was not spending any time with her family, really neglecting her relationship with her husband, with her kids, with her friends. She wasn't doing any of the things she loved to do. And then one day she had a heart attack and she ended up in the hospital and the doctors were like, listen, like you need to do something with how your anxiety is manifesting itself. And she told me like she couldn't walk for about a year and a half. She had like a a triple bypass or something really crazy. And it, it left her kind of like physically devastated. And her and her husband were on the brink of divorce at this point. And he like basically in order to save their family and save her like he stepped in he he was an optometrist he's completely sold his practice they moved closer to where her kids now resided where the grandkids were and it was like she had this unreal opportunity of being forced to slow down and truly take it day by day and really rebuild her life in this beautiful way and she like told me she was like the best thing you can do for yourself is not have a care in the world beyond the moment. Like really just every moment you get is is a gift. Like she told me, she's like, I'm on borrowed time right now. She was about 80 years old. She's like, this is a gift. The fact that I live beyond 55 mm-hmm. should not have been something that happened. I would not have made it this far without my husband's sacrifice, without him basically pulling her out of this complete overload that she was in and forcing her to slow down and I was saying to her like well how do you like even navigate that how do you how do you go from being you know high power in your career and succeeding in that way like don't you feel like I didn't say it exactly like this but in my head I was like wouldn't you feel like a little short changed by like having Mm -hmm. that but she told me like no when you look at your life on paper like what really matters is it money is it being successful in your career she's like at the end of the day like when she almost died she said there was no part of me that wish I had spent more time at the office Mm. all I wanted to do was to make sure I stayed alive for my kids for my grandkids she spent a few years relearning how to walk losing all that weight now she like was telling me she all her energy goes into like now she cooks she never knew how to cook before that now she's really committed to like eating vegetarian eating like the best food for her and she's like that's become my meditative practice is exercising it's taking care of my body and she was basically gave me like a whole little like you know like Oprah's super soul Sundays I felt like I was sitting in one of those in the middle Mm -hmm. of like putting on this concert and it really just she the words of advice she gave to me were just like what happens tomorrow is none of your business absolutely none of your business you don't even know if you're gonna get it the only thing you can control right now is the moment you're currently in even five minutes from now that's not your problem only thing you need to worry about is who you are right now and if you feel happy and alive Mm. that's it and I, I was thinking about that all last night so Shout out to Linda and your husband, James. Absolute 10 out of 10s. James has an amazing mustache. Like, so they were just like the coolest people. I could have chatted with them all night. Oh, also happy birthday, Linda. It's her birthday today. Happy (laughs) birthday, Linda. Yeah, cheers to a few more. But yeah, I think for me, living in the moment can only be a positive experience. Yeah. 
I think it requires some looking for opportunity. Mm-hmm. I have an aunt who's really good at it, though. So mm-hmm. she moved out to Vancouver Island mm-hmm. um, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And she decided she wanted to learn to sail. Um, and I got to see her recently. So I was like, okay, so, like, were there classes you signed up for? Mm-hmm. Was there, like, a program? Was there a club you joined? And she was like, no, I literally just wandered down to the dock <laughs> and roamed around until... Um, someone was like, hey, I could use an extra pair of hands today. Do you want to come on? Whoa. Um, and made friends. But she said the the place that she goes, they actually have, have you heard of friendship benches on school playgrounds? Yeah. So, or buddy benches. Yeah, so it's just an empty bench in the schoolyard. And if you need, like, a buddy or want a friend, you go and sit and wait for somebody to join yeah. you, right? And it's painted a specific color. Mm-hmm. But the sailing club that she wandered to actually has a buddy bench. So no after way. that first time, um, the person was like, oh, yeah, like, if you mm-hmm. come, like, anytime you're available, mm-hmm. you just hang out on the buddy bench. And if someone either needs an extra set of hands or doesn't mind taking an extra person, mm-hmm. like, you can go out with them. Wow. And I was like, that is, like, Genius. not something, like, I would want to be able to research that and, like, mm-hmm. show up knowing what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes needing to know the details in advance makes you miss out on opportunities. I think one thing I'm really trying to work on right now is just going with the flow and also trusting that the experiences that cross my path are there for a reason. Like Mm -hmm. whether you want to prescribe to like the theory of a higher power or just like energy or theory of coincidence, whatever, I don't think anything happens to us by accident. I do think there's meaning in everything. And it's funny. So I had this whole conversation with Linda while she was volunteering with me. And that was also the day I was telling you about my my first concert guys did not go super great for me personally because I did not realize you need to literally train and eat like an athlete before this so I showed up to work a 14-hour day having eaten no breakfast having had no coffee no water I worked a 14-hour shift in the smoke and there was one point where I went inside and I was lying down after trying to eat and being sick because Mm -hmm. I like had not eaten and it just did not agree I was lying down on the floor in our concert hall and I was just thinking, I don't know if I can do this. This is really hard, but I don't Mm -hmm. want to be unemployed again. Like, I don't know what to do. And I was having a full blown anxiety attack. And I just Linda's words came back to me. And I just sat there being like, hold on right now in the moment. Let's think of all the good things that have happened today because of this job. I got to meet Linda. I got to meet all these amazing people who I now work with. I got to see the crowd get really excited for our show. And it was like, just by taking those few moments on the brink of disaster to really settle back into myself, it gave me the juice I needed to keep going. Yeah, because I feel like when you're truly living in the moment, you've also kind of like released the weight of other people's expectations and you're just doing things for yourself. So Mm -hmm. I feel like in some ways, like mindfulness sets you up to live in the moment. It does, uh, totally. And it, it just stops you from... We all did this thing where we tell ourselves stories. We create a narrative about a situation, about a relationship, about any experience that we have. And we kind of use those stories to self-sabotage. And I think when you are being really mindful and living in the moment, it's like you you can't write a story then. It's just happening, right? Mm -hmm. I love that. 
Should we draw the line there? Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to change things up. We're doing Rosebud Thorn for a bit, but... It turns out it bums me out to talk about my dad's cancer every week. Yeah. It's absolutely shocking. And also, <laughs> I think sometimes it's good to acknowledge the lows, but mm. also, in the spirit of living in the moment, I think we, we want to just focus on, like, the good things. Sometimes we can't always, like, naturally sprinkle in our fun anecdotes. Yeah. So roses is our chance to just dilly-dally the heck out of something nice that happened this week. Yes, I have one, actually. And it's podcast-related. So this literally connects to the last anecdote I was telling. So after that terrible, like, first concert, and I, I was really struggling, Kelly. Like, I was barely holding it together. And out of the crowd, out of nowhere... Our listener, Katie, emerges. Shout out to Katie. Shout out to Katie. Also, wearing our merch. She had her awesome dilly-dally tote on, and she pulled her, like, AirPod out of her ear, and she's like, I'm literally listening to you right now. (laughs) And, like, honestly, I almost started crying because it had been such a hard day, and I was feeling so overwhelmed. And I was also, like, a little stressed about some podcast stuff that was going on, and it was like... It was like the universe just knew I needed to see somebody who I know unconditionally supports me. Like Katie and I go way back to like high school days and I know her through like friends of friends or I think my ex-boyfriend and her ex-boyfriend like we're friends. So we like kind of have crossed paths. But my favorite thing about Katie is she she's just such a nice, genuine person. And also she's always supported me no matter what weird creative shit I do. And like I in that moment, I just needed somebody who I knew would be in my corner and Katie appeared and like just had lovely things to say about the podcast and about the show that she was watching. And it was like, I just really needed it. And I felt so safe. So my rose this week is Katie. And I know she's going to be listening to this. So hi, Katie, you're the best. Oh, that's so nice. What's yours? Mine was also a little bit podcast related. So um, I had a family reunion last weekend because my grandma turned 90. Grandma Barb? Yeah. Oh, shout out Grandma Barb. Happy birthday. So we had um, a really fun weekend because she lives a little bit outside the city on an acreage. But Mm. like the whole family came Mm. in and I don't even remember the last time we got to do that. We try to get as many people as possible together in the summer, but Mm. um, we used to go out to the cabin which mm. isn't there anymore yeah, like it's it's burned down right yeah it it burned down the what's left needs to be demolished because in the process of the um inspection oh there's asbestos oh yeah so well that's done <laughs> there's no saving <laughs> I'm it i'm sorry um it did the fire did get rid of all the bats though so oh bonus trying to look at the positive <laughs> anyways <laughs> Um, but I have, um, a couple cousins who like one is five years older than me, um, and the other is 10 years older and both of them have partners that have been around for a long time. So they're they're my cousins too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like, I have looked up to like both of them for a long time Mm -hmm. and both of their partners like Mm -hmm. made a point of like chatting with me and being like I've listened to like some of the episodes no way and I was like (laughs) I was like okay like do you have feedback because we we're trying to get people to give us constructive feedback we've said this before Mm -hmm. um it would yeah like if you ever like hear something you're like oh or if you're like I wanted more details on this. Yes, please email boundaries at gmail.com with all your constructive feedback and compliments. <laughs> yeah, but then I ended up having, like, a really nice conversation with, like, oh. 
one of them directly because we had a moment to have like a mm-hmm. one-on-one chat about boundaries <gasps> Yay. and like she has kids so that was a cool perspective to hear oh. and then the other one there were like other people around mm-hmm. and like we're on the very very liberal end of the family spectrum <laughs> yes. and then there's people that like some of our older relatives you're just a little more careful around yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um where because you have to approach them gently with new ideas otherwise mm. they will otherwise they get overwhelmed and when yeah. you're overwhelmed you get emotional when you're emotional you are not at your best yeah so we like strategically all like the cousins like my generation has this understanding where mm. we give people grace to grow oh, um, beautiful but it was kind of cool because like this was kind of like one of the first times where I was like I am an adult now like there's a full <laughs> I'm the grown-up in the room now well, there's like a full generation of like cousin well I say my cousins but my grandma's great grandkids yeah where I was like oh like I can go hang out with like the kid kids but mm. I can also hang out with the adults and feel like I'm contributing yeah and not just like a silly little kid talking about my drinking escapades yeah like I have other stories and like yeah. I have things to offer yeah and that was just like a really nice feeling to like have throughout the whole weekend yeah it's been I have more stories to share but we're running out of time but I'm I'm just gonna say I've had some really nice conversations about the podcast with people lately mm-hmm. and it is amazing to me to see how many people like connect with mm-hmm. with the conversation the silly little conversations and dilly dallies we have and a lot of the things we talk about I feel like are universal. Everybody understands and has been there. And it, it's just been really cool to go from nobody even knowing we're doing this to all of a sudden people are being like, thank you for putting out that episode because it actually made me able to even think about this thing that was happening with me that I've been ignoring and like... Yeah. It's really cool. Okay, bonus rose. We got, like, the nicest comment ever yes, we last did. week. Actually, instead of trying to say it, I think we're just going to include it in the in the photo dump. Yes, I have a screenshot to share. And Perfect. Yeah, we'll include that. Um, okay, let's draw the line there. Yeah. Bad Up Boundaries is a podcast created by Lisa Hennig and Kelly McGillis. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Bad Up Boundaries. Thanks for listening. <laughs>